Industry Matters, powered by VGM, a post-acute healthcare podcast about community, connections, and belonging. VGM is a member service organization serving durable and home medical equipment providers and manufacturers. VGM also has communities for respiratory, complex rehab, women's health mastectomy, home accessibility, and orthotics and prosthetics industries. In today's episode of Industry Matters, Wayne Van Hanlam and Rhonda Burmaster work through the important details around billing, reimbursement, and audits when it comes to knee and back braces, the two categories included in competitive bidding around 2021. Thank you, Rhonda and Wayne, for joining us for this episode of Industry Matters. We're going to dive right in and uh, start asking the hard questions. So, Wayne, I'm going to start with you. Give me a little bit of background on why CMS put these products into the competitive bidding program. Yeah, sure. And it's good to be here. Um, The the first reason, you know, remember competitive, the competitive bid program was a tool um, that was implemented to save money, um, first of all. Um, But it was also, uh, you know, touted as a a fraud fighting tool by CMS as well. So um, in both of those reasons, I think, are really what drove uh, CMS to uh, put these products into the competitive bid program. First is that we saw in the last um, several years huge increases in the volume of um, off-the-shelf bracing that was being provided, like it skyrocketed. Um, Unfortunately, what we also saw come along with that was a, a significant increase in both foreign and domestic criminal fraud rings that really infiltrated this market. Um, and they they started doing an, a, a number of illegal marketing techniques. They were paying kickbacks to physicians. As a result of that, um, not only was there a huge volume increase, but a lot of those claims were actually fraudulent or, you know, the services were, um, you know, the leads were obtained through fraudulent marketing practices or um, via illegal kickback, whether the supplier was aware of it or not. We found oftentimes they weren't even aware of it. They were dealing with some some other uh, entities that were really leading that charge. But, you know, I think those are probably the main drivers. And, and you know, quite honestly, I, I feel like those are, are two good drivers. A lot of the times the off-the-shelf Racing that the pricing that was on it that CMS implemented was really high, um, so you know I think there there was some money that could be cut from the pricing, but also to help fight that fraud, you know we've seen a lot of people um, being indicted in the DME market, um, also with a lot of these lead generations and teledocs. So um, you know I think we can all agree that that's a good thing. We don't want those people representing our industry. So I think those are the biggest drivers. Right. Anything to help protect the integrity of what we have is always a good thing when we see it coming, just a little bit different maybe for our um, our members to be aware of. So, Rhonda, give me an idea of what the fee schedules for next year will look like. This is um, a great question and a question that we get on a daily basis is regarding the fee schedules because there seems to be so many of them out there with the Medicare program with on the, um, on the, in the different areas. So um, we have obviously the competitive bid areas that have single payment amounts and that's applicable obviously to the back and knee bracing for that next round that will start in next year. And those, those single payment amounts are kind of all over the board when you look at 
the different states from California to out east. So they'll have those product categories that are in within that round 2021 for bracing are going to have new rates starting in January. As far as um, other fee schedules that exist, if it's all based on a patient zip code. And if you are um, dealing with any of the other product categories outside of the back and knee bracing, and a patient zip code is in a competitive bid area, the, the single payment amounts that you see today are the ones that are going to continue for next year. Um, and then you get to the rule and non-rule. So rule is the rule zip codes that CMS has deemed rule. They continue on with that 50-50 blended rate, and that's actually permanent. As um, that 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 um, regulation came out, where that's permanent. And then you have the non-rule; those patients that are considered non-rule, the regional, the regional we call them the regional um, spas. Uh, currently, because of the CARES Act from the pandemic, they're getting that 75-25 blended rate. Um, that is now and it is going to continue through the pandemic or if it's up to this new proposed rule that's out april 1 so i i think it'll be longer than april 1 because the pandemic will go on longer than that um but the the non-rural areas are the ones that are um going to see some differences once this pandemic is done if something doesn't change um so the fee schedules are kind of all over the place. And again, it all boils down to that patient zip code and what that product is, um, of where that where that fee schedule lies. And so hopefully your billing software that you're working with, we're able to upload those and, and implement those within your um, system. Most of them can, I know that. So um, but there is, they're all over the place. So just be cognizant of that right now. One thing I'm gonna add before I wrap it up here is to be mindful of and there, we, we at VGM and I know other stakeholders out there like A, home care and whatnot are doing this is the 2% sequester that you guys are seeing that pause in right now that normally you see that 2% additional funding taken off your allowable that's been paused as of, um, it started I think around May and it's, it's scheduled to go through the end of 2020. So it come January, 2021, that's no longer. So you're gonna see that 2% come off the top and um, we're hoping to get that extended, that pause extended. Um, it's not set yet, and we haven't heard anything about it yet, but just be cognizant of that right now. Okay, so Rhonda, a follow-up question for you. That was a lot of information about schedules, rural, non-rural. Is there an easy place or a location that members can go to kind of check to see what that pricing would look like or those schedules would look like? Um, well, there's, there's never an easy place to go look for that, I feel like, but um, it, it really, I think it depends on your service area. And, you know, you can always go to the um, PDAC website, which is the DMEPDAC.com. Palmetto is the contractor for that. And they will have the um, fee schedules for, you can t actually type in a zip code and it'll tell you if it's a rule or not rule if you're uncertain. And then um, you can also look up your fee schedule. As far as the single payment amounts for the back and knee bracing, they're actually current on the competitive bid website and the suppliers that were offered contracts have seen what their, their rates will be for next year. But those single payment amounts are on their website. Um, but you can just go to CMS's and they have Excel spreadsheets. If you just go to their website and Google the DME 
fee schedule into their search field that comes up and you can they update them every quarter so you can look at them by quarter so okay all over the great <laughs> yep all over the place that's all right at least we give some direction of, of where to start looking so we keep talking about the knee and back braces, which are two categories essentially, but there's these 13 other product categories that did not make round 2021. What does this mean for the suppliers that bid in any of those categories? Well, um, so that means that those other 13 categories, so those respiratory products, you know, the, the bent metals um, and some of the general DME, they're not going to be um, in this next round. So um, I don't know if you want to call that good news or bad news. I think it depends on on your on the company and um, what your business model is. But they're not in the next round. What that means, though, is you, it's any willing supplier, as it has been for these past two years during this gap period. So um, you can continue on as you are today with that business model, knowing that they're not part of the next round of competitive bid. Um, so that's, um, that's where it lies right now. Okay. So let's switch back, uh, to the knee and back braces and Wayne, what are some of the challenges that people are going to face when it comes to billing for these products? Um, yeah, I would say that, um, probably the, the most common challenge is probably going to be very similar to a common challenge with other products that you provide and that's getting, the correct documentation, I think, because so many people have, have gotten into off-the-shelf bracing over the years, and we've we had this influx of a lot of these lead generation companies and these marketing companies that were, that were doing it. I think there's sort of a, and you see all the commercials on TV, right? And it says, do you have low back pain? And if you have low back pain, you may qualify for a brace from Medicare. And well, that's not exactly the case. Um, there are pretty, you know, a little bit more specific requirements than just having low back pain. Um, you know, for the back brace, for example, there's there's four criteria that would have to be met. One is the patient needs to reduce pain by restricting mobility of the trunk. Um, there, it's to facilitate healing following an injury to the spine. Um, there is a surgical procedure, um, and it's um, designed to facilitate healing after that, that procedure, um, or it's to support weak spinal muscles or deformed spine. So those are the criteria. Um, you notice it's it's not just having back pain, but having back pain, and if you restrict mobility of the trunk, that's going to reduce that pain. So, um, and those additional things do have to be documented. Uh, very similar with, with the knee braces, you know, there's very specific requirements that have to be documented in the record. For example, a varus valgus test, which is um, objective measurements of joint laxity. So it's not just saying, oh, you know, I have osteoarthritis and my knee hurts. There has to be um, more documentation than that showing that what, you know, what the brace is going to do to eliminate that, that pain. So I would say those are probably going to be the most common challenges and things to make sure that you, know, you train your staff on what are those requirements um, for those particular things from a medical necessity perspective. Um, because we all know getting documentation from the physicians are, is a challenge, you know, and you might get documentation that has, you know, diagnoses of, um, you know, uh, uh, lum 
lumbago or something along those lines. So it has, you know, the records will show that the patient has something that could potentially require back brace, but it has to go to that next level um, with with the documentation. So I bet that's probably going to be biggest the biggest challenges for um, suppliers. And I would add to that one world that we live in, um, Wayne, with helping the suppliers out there um, and the job and the roles that we play is is the documentation is so key in making sure that suppliers, when you, this is a new product category for you that you've accepted a contract for, you really need to understand those policies. So you, you need to take time to read through those and discuss those with your staffs and your referrals to know that you're getting the proper documentation so you don't get caught up um, you know, with, with some audits or, or reviews or whatnot that could happen. Yeah, and and certainly um, our, our clinical team here at the Van Halen Group is available to, to help with that. If you are bringing out this product category and want to learn more about it, um, feel free to reach out to us and let us know. Great. So as you mentioned, documentation, huge. Uh, but of course, there's going to be additional obligations. So what um, as a contracted supplier for these brace categories, what are maybe some of these other obligations that um, they need to be aware of and make sure that they follow? Yeah, so, you know, when you, um, I think about those suppliers that are new to this product category um, or new to bidding, just to remember that what this contract means, and most certainly you want to make sure you read your contract obligations, which actually, you know, the competitive bid contractor has done a great job laying those out. Um, they have several fact, fact sheets that are available on their website, and that's where I reference a lot of um, information for our members when they have these questions, but when you accepted the contract, just remember that means you have the contract, so you're accepting assignment on these claims. And you know, um, you also wanna make sure that you're not discriminating against the Medicare beneficiaries. So the products that you're going to provide to any of your other patients that get a back or knee brace, you're gonna be providing to your Medicare beneficiaries as well. Um, and then, um, the travel, you know, I just, I didn't think about the travel piece of it, but I had uh, one of our members just reach out today about questions with some patients that travel, especially when they're going, let's say skiing and they're um, maybe get, need, get, you have an injury and they have back pain or knee pain where they need a brace. Um, what do we do? And um, you can provide that to that patient. Um, you know, there's some rules around that with um, what modifiers and whatnot. And, your, your um, which is the KT modifier, if you're curious, but um, you would append that and that tells the, the contractor that um, what's going on with that patient. But just remember that that reimbursement that you're gonna get is based off that patient's zip code. So it's not maybe the reimbursement that you see in the area where the patient's visiting, it's based off where that patient lives. So keep that in mind, but um, there is a nice traveling um, fact sheet that they have available on their website um, but it's just, it's key knowing that, um, you have to accept assignment and you have to provide the product that's the doctor writes the order for. And if you don't have that product, then you want to work with that doctor to see if there's something that's comparable, which means it would be a new prescription, a new order from that doctor. So, um, and that's nothing new either. That's always been part of a contract obligation is, um, following that prescription, um, especially if they're getting name brand specific. And if you, if you don't have that product available, then see if there's something comparable, um, or if it has to actually be that product and you cannot get it as a contracted supplier, 
maybe there's another one in your area that can and you can refer that patient to them. Um, I'm just trying to see what some of the other important ones are here. Um, that's really about it. Those are the key ones that I get questions on. So I, those are the ones I know I wanted to share with, with um, our membership. As far as suppliers go, are hospitals able to dispense and bill for either a back or knee brace? Actually, they are, you know, and this occurred in the previous rounds of competitive bid when it relates to walkers and wheelchairs. And it's basically to help get those patients out of the hospital. Um, but there is a um, there is information on the CBIX website as well that talks about hospitals. And it's actually the hospital themselves. It cannot be the the DME that is owned by the hospital or a DME that's affiliated with the hospital. It's actually the hospital that's providing that brace. And then they would submit the claim because it's their patient that, you know, was their patient inpatient for a surgery or whatever condition they're be, is being treated. And um, they're trying to get them discharged. So it's basically, get, you know, helping out that capacity issue within the hospital to get them transitioned home easily. So they actually can provide those braces without having to submit for a, a bid. Um, and then they have direction on how they would submit those claims with the appropriate modifier as it is applicable to, to a hospital system. Okay. And so what is one of the most important or the most important thing for suppliers to know if they've won bids for these products and um, will be will be billing for them? I'll take that one. And I'll say, you know, obviously, aside from knowing the LCD criteria, because we already talked about that, it, it's, you know, it is, it's not that challenging, but it is more than just having a, a knee pain or back pain. But outside of that, you know, one thing that I think is is to be careful of or wary of um, is if you are going to use a lead generation company, um, there are a ton of them out there that will promise you all kinds of uh, good quality leads for these particular products. Um, but it's really important to do your due diligence. There are, in fact, reputable um, companies out there um, and uh, if you're going to enter an, into an agreement with any sort of lead generation company, I would make sure you have it vetted by your own attorney. Um, do not take their word for it or their attorney's word for it. I mean, there are companies out there. We kind of joke. We do a lot of work with Brown and Fortunato in the industry. And um, we both hear all the time companies that have come to us and said, well, this lead generation came to us and said that you vetted their their marketing program and said it was okay. Well, um, you know, we uh, at the Ben Halen Group do not do that. We don't vet marketing programs, so that's never the case with us. And, you know, Brown and Fortunato is uh, similar, and they say that they, you know, oftentimes had not vetted these programs that um, people had said that they are. So you really need to have your own representation because what happens in these situations is you're the one with the billing number. And if there was something, you know, illegal marketing that was done or kickback that was paid. And believe it or not, these these age, these marketing companies are paying physicians, which is illegal. Um, and if you engage with them and then they are paying the physicians and you're paying them, then you are also indirectly um, paying kickbacks and, and that's illegal. So there's some really, really dangerous pitfalls. We've seen, unfortunately, some you know legitimate DME suppliers that got sort of fooled into entering into some of these agreements and in the end they're left holding the bag. But but I say that 
to say be very wary of lead generation companies, but there are legit direct book-to-consumer marketing companies out there. You just really need to do your due diligence because there's also a lot out there that are doing things illegally and making a lot of money right now, and they want to continue that, whether whether the products are in competitive bidding or not. So you will probably be inundated with people trying to um, convince you that they're the right company that can help generate the most amount of leads and make you the most amount of money. But in reality, they may be developing those leads illegally through illegal marketing practices. They may be paying kickbacks. And the majority, overwhelming majority, of the leads that you will see from those companies are not valid leads and the patients don't qualify. So you shouldn't get reimbursed for them. So don't fall prey to that. The, you know, one thing I'll say, the direct-to-consumer market, while, it's, while it is legal, it's a business model that CMS hates. Um, and as a result of that, these claims are generally generally scrutinized a lot more. So if you haven't done them before and CMS now sees this increase in volume um, that you're billing, so you didn't bill for braces before and now you are billing for braces and, and maybe you won in multiple um, CBAs and you're billing in multiple parts of the country whereas before you were you know, in one particular area. All of that type of data is analyzed by CMS. Um, and the UPIC auditors, which are generally the ones that do that type of data analysis, generally aren't familiar with the competitive bid program. I'm sad to say that they really should be, but in the past we've experienced that they aren't. So it's likely could raise some red flags and you will probably be audited as a result of that. But as long as you have your ducks in a row and you know what, what you're supposed to have and you know and can prove that every lead that you obtained was a lead, was a lead that was obtained through um, you know, acceptable legal marketing um, practices, then you, know, you should be fine and manage it just like any other audit that you would go through. So that would be my biggest, most important thing is for suppliers to know is uh, to just be careful of uh you know, if you enter into lead generation, you know what you're getting into in that regard. You, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying do if you do do it to make sure you know what you're getting into. Proceed with caution. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, there has been a lot of information in the short time we've just been talking about this. Is there any kind of last words of wisdom uh, that you would like to leave uh, the membership with? I do have one um, final word of wisdom for those that are listening out there is that especially because with this next round of competitive bid with the bracing and the previous activities that we've seen with it, um, as Wayne kind of alluded to there was, but do your due diligence, even if you're familiar with the product categories to review those policies and make sure your staff really do understand them. And it doesn't hurt to get some education um, even if it's a category, you've done it already, get education again. Um, if you're new to this area, product category, you need education. And they, I mean, great, the Van Halen Group, Van Halen Group does a great job um, with that education. And you should take advantage of that um, for your business and for your team and for your referrals. So please do that and, and, um, and know what you're getting into. So that's my final word of wisdom. Thanks, Rhonda. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> You're welcome. 
Well, thank you both for your time today and your expertise in the billing reimbursement and audits, and especially um, with the bracing now that it will be in, since it is in the competitive round 2021. Uh, of course, if people have questions, they know how to get a hold of you and, and we will provide your email and, and everything as well. So thank you again for your time and um, we appreciate it. Thank you, Mandy. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Industry Matters. Make sure you never miss an episode by visiting bgm.com forward slash Industry Matters Podcast.